is the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and I'm your host, Kat Bean Hansen. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Today's message comes from our service on Sunday, January 15th, 2023. Our member Ken Taylor talks about the concept of the self in a message titled, Who Are You? The Reflections You Present. My message today, titled, Who Are You? The Reflections You Present, Uh, but maybe I should have subtitled it, The Dangers of Social Media, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, The Greek philosopher Heraclitus once said, no man ever stands in the same river twice. In much the same way, we can never know or understand a person in the same way someone else knows them. So let's give you a little backstory. Way back in July 24th of last year, Mary Kay Matson, I've heard of Blaine, shared a post on Facebook with the comment, this seems profound, gives new meaning to what it means to know yourself. And then with that was an image of an article from a post shared on another page. So because this was an image, I couldn't backtrack and find the primary source, which, you know, rates on the wall of every English, proper English researchers uh, in here, right? Uh, However, that article started with, this blew my mind, and followed with the headline, a different version of you exists in the mind of everyone who knows you. The beginning of the article continued with, I read a book that blew my mind. The main character goes crazy when he realizes no one knows him. The gist is that the person you think of as yourself exists only for you, and even you don't really know who that is. Every person you meet, every person you have a relationship with or make eye contact with on the street creates a version of you in their heads. You are not the same person to your mom, your dad, your siblings, your neighbors, or your friends. There are a thousand different versions of yourself out there in people's minds. A you exists in each version, and yet your you, yourself, isn't really a someone at all. And that's that's where it started. So here's the danger of social media and where it reared its ugly head. I made my first mistake. In I left a comment that this very idea was the basis of the eulogy that I gave at my mother's memorial service. My second mistake was when I suggested that this might be a good idea for Sunday morning message. <clears throat> After all, I'd already written a speech, right? Yeah, well, that didn't work out quite like I planned either. So here we are. So let me start with my original eulogy, 
or I should say I started my original eulogy with, Carolyn was a homemaker. That's what her obituary read. And that's how, in a time of grief, her entire life was summed up. But like when you're asked by a friend you haven't seen in a while, what have you been up to? And we reply, not much. There's much more that's left unspoken. So to use part of my original eulogy as an example, because I thought I had already written it and I didn't want to write a whole nother speech, uh, the young mother that brought me into this world was not the same more experienced mother that was there when my youngest sibling came along. Each of our interactions has a slightly different reflection of that person from, uh, from the person that everyone knew as my mother, Carolyn Marie. Most people knew my mother as Carolyn the cook or Carolyn the hostess or Carolyn the card player. I then tried to share some of the reflections that I knew that others might have been unaware of. Carolyn the mother, obviously, but I shared details like she dressed us really well, like above average, like we were the kids who, well, I was the kid who came home from school, you know, still clean clothes, my little brother, not so much, but um, we had no sugared cereal in the household. I wasn't allowed to wear jeans to school till sixth grade. And of course, here's where the different versioning comes in. Shortly thereafter, like very shortly thereafter, my brother and sister were wearing jeans to school. My mother, Carolyn, as the disciplinarian, which to most people go, yeah, she was a mother. But at this time that I'm giving the eulogy, she's, this is now 40 years later. She's now the sweet lady who everybody knows and loves. And so to picture her with, uh, as I would say, two words, wooden spoon, um, you know, my brother and sister smirked. Uh, and maybe my uncle, but everyone else was like, I don't know what you mean. Uh, one of the more surprising facts and facets of reflection that I shared is my mother as an actress. Now, most people that my mother, so we had moved to a small farm town. And she was there about 25 years before she passed away. They had never known this woman who was uncomfortable with public speaking had spent time when I was growing up in the junior women's club performing in productions of uh, Aesop's Fowls as the mouse or as uh, Geppetto in Pinocchio along with some minor roles. My mom uh, was a supporter of athletics, which a lot of people would, oh, you have some kids in sports. But invisibly, she was there at almost every event. And this continued on when my brother played college football. And that's not a trivial thing when the games are not an hour away, but four hours away. Uh, my mom was a hostess, a very visible side to most people, but uh, it extended out in many different ways. Uh, Shortly after Joan and I were dating, it might have been our first Christmas spending together, we were going to go to my parents' house for Christmas Eve dinner, and she asked me, who's going to be there? A reasonable question. I grew up with my mother. I'd known her all my life. 
I could not tell her who was going to be there because she was going to invite some stranger that I didn't know. And I, that was just an expectation, right? So, uh, our house was always open to friends and family and unmet friends. A lot of people knew her as a hostess at church or at some organized event, but they didn't know that it extended all the way through our life. A lot of friends and family knew my mother as a reader. What they didn't know was that when I say reader, I mean books, books, books. Uh, a big reader of romance novels. Back in the day, you could join the Harlequin Romance Club and have the books mailed to you. And she and her sister and sister-in-law would each belong to a different club and then read and rotate books. As I got older and started like, you know, staying up later than I was supposed to, that's when I started noticing that my mother was up anytime I was up. Not because she knew I was up because she was reading. So there's an invisible facet of her life that a lot of people didn't know, which also set the stage for what I did. But um, one of my favorite parts, hidden sides of my mother was that, uh, kind of a driver's ed teacher in the sense that she set a good example at a time when a lot of women her age didn't get taught driver's ed or weren't taught by their parents. They were, they had to wait. Uh, my mom set a good example and my dad shared the driving equally. And so my mom was more than happy to, you know, watch me drive let me drive before I should have been when it was easier for me to go pick up my siblings than it was for her to get dressed and go. Um, and then she continued being will like my mother was the quintessential sweet old lady. I mean, literal like angel, but after working on my driving skills and becoming an advanced driver education instructor, like I taught my mother how to like do all her slowing before the corner so she could power through them on the, on the merge ramps. And the joy she got from that change in her driving, I think, surprised my father a little too much. But one of the biggest facets that wasn't visible, and again, a story I'm roping Joan in, uh, again, one of our earlier Christmases, we're out shopping for the family. And I pick up a, I'm sure it was a, a Jean-Claude Van Damme karate movie, you know, uh, action punch movie. And I held it up, said, what do you think? And she assumed I was joking. And I said, no, I'm serious. And I bought it and I wrapped it. And Joan was a little shocked by how happy my mother was to receive this gift. Uh, this was the woman who took my brother, my younger brother, in to see an R-rated movie when he was underage because it was like a Chuck Norris movie, right? She had to go see it. Um, but when preparing to eulogize my mom, amid an anticipated crowd connected to her through all of her many interconnections, and then all the people connected directly or in indirectly with her through family and friends, that made this is when I came to realize that none of us in the room could know uh or have a complete picture of who my mother was and who the person known as Carolyn Marie Taylor or Carolyn Marie Sedell, if you knew her long enough, who she really was. 
And I think this is one of those profound ideas you go, when you hear it, you go, duh, it's obvious. But you don't think that until it's pointed out, right? So I think this is becomes a pretty fundamental truth that a lot of people kind of stumble over, maybe, but it takes some self-reflection. Now, in November 2nd of last year, and these dates are specific because Facebook is notorious for having dates on it, right? Pam Hayes shared a link on Facebook. You notice the trend here? Uh, about being, and it was a notice, a, a link about being happier and more successful by learning to like other people. But Pam opened her post with the statement, it's always interesting to me how two or more people can have such different opinions about the same person. Pam's statement is a perfect example of the realization that we can never really view someone in the exact same light as another person does. Turn the page. Our view of another is shaped by our own background, biases, experiences, and then whatever limited or not so limited interactions we have with that person. And since a another person, a second person's backgrounds, biases, experience, and interactions are never the same, never exactly the same as our own, our shared view of the person in question won't be exactly the same the other as the other. This is why siblings raised by the same parents can have different views of the parents, of themselves, of their own siblings, of each other, right? My wife, Joan, and my sister, Arianne, are less than three months apart in age. Joan is my peer. My sister, Arianne, will always be my younger little sister. My interactions with my sister were reduced when I moved out of the house. I'm about five years older. So I wasn't around her on those pivotal years for her. Right? Uh, my absence didn't stop my sister from growing and developing. I just wasn't there to be a part of it anymore. So as much as I know intellectually that my sister is a mature, middle-aged human being, I'll always be looking at her around my reflection of her from junior high in order to see who she is today. Another example I distinctly recall in my own life was a time in my Navy career uh, when Dave, a friend of mine, he was formerly in the shop with me, shared a house together. Uh, he stopped in to the, our shop shortly after we had returned from a six-month deployment. He was just in there to say hi and catch up. Our chat was interrupted by another tech who was asking me for some troubleshooting advice. Now, it had only been about 18 months since Dave had transferred out of the shop and we had worked together. Uh, but Dave's comment was, when did you become such a good tech? To my current coworker, I was a resource of knowledge, and he had never known otherwise. To my former coworker, I was still that wet-behind-the-ears newbie learning the ropes that he knew when he left the shop. So what do we do with these realizations? Being able to understand that not only are we not going to have the same understanding of someone as a third person will, but that two different people will in turn not have the same understanding of ourselves should hopefully increase our willingness to grant each other grace in our interactions. While another may not have walked a mile in your shoes, you haven't walked in their shoes either. 
Self-reflection with an eye towards expanding our view of ourselves and others is a worthy goal. This has been the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists. The music is by Nathan Moore. If you want to learn more about the CVUU, visit our website at www.cedarvalleyuu.org. And you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at Cedar Valley UU. We welcome visitors from anywhere to virtually attend our services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to learn more about joining us for a service, send us an email at cvuupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.